You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. Tonight we're looking at the 14th episode of the second season of Star Hunter Redux, entitled The Prisoner. Before I go into this, just want you to know that I we had some technical problems recording last week, and uh, we couldn't do it because my internet was out. So I have prepared my notes and uh, all my stuff and my synopsis and whatnot, and, and I, haven't, uh, I haven't watched it since, and I haven't revisited my notes, and I've forgotten them completely. So I- I'm going to be as surprised by what I wrote as you are. Just saying. So here we go. The Prisoner. Travis is being a grumpy puss. And the events that make him a grumpy puss haven't even happened yet. The Trans-Utopian has arrived at Clark Station to pick up Jane Doe, an amnesiac psychiatric patient, for transport to Ganymede. Callie is not happy with this, although it's unclear why. Cattle is cattle in the meat-moving business. In the hallway, Travis is bumped into by Tristan Catchpole, an arrogant, smug-looking guy dressed to play the star child in Galactica 1980. Catchpole senses a disturbance in the force. Travis and Callie get a bonus passenger in the form of Dr. Alora Keir, who must accompany the harmless patient. The harmless patient, who almost immediately suffers some form of flashback and witnesses Travis shoot someone in a life-or-death fight back when he was a raider. She grabs his gun and tries to kill him. Callie should be happy. At least they're transporting a dangerous criminal now. At the orchard, correction, the new and improved orchard now with 50% less people with a conscience. They're pushing ahead with a divinity cluster because hyperspace? Tristan is the first person to successfully, naturally activate three of the four divinity cluster genes. His job Find the others who are naturally activating and convert them to the dark side of the force. The new orchard's goal is hyperspace. It's always good to have a laser-focused vision statement. On the Transutopian, although everyone agrees that Travis is being a grumpy puss and everyone tries to talk with him about it, even Percy, Travis doesn't want to talk about it, whatever it is. But he's fascinated with the prisoner because somehow she seems to know him, but he knows not from where. Again, she tries to kill him, but this time she puts a little divinity in his cluster when she tries to strangle him. The psychiatrist says, maybe you should try to talk to her. But when she does, they jaunt off on a divinity cluster trip down memory lane, where they witness relive Travis's fight with David, who was Jane's husband. But now she's known as Maria because she's got her memory back. Alora, who witnessed the whole thing, calls to tell her boss about the breakthrough in the patient and mentioned the mind-bending dimensional hijinks she just witnessed. It's a pity her boss is in the new and improved orchard. Travis demands of Percy to know what she knows about the Divinity Cluster. She tells him. She tells him that he's the unintended lab rat of his mother's Divinity Cluster experiments on herself, and that's about all she knows. The new and improved orchard arrive and try to take the ship. Tristan comes aboard and whisks Travis off to a planet 400 light years away and tries to seduce him to the dark side. He refuses, and well, that's pretty much it. 
The new and improved Orchard ship leaves, and they deliver Maria, formerly Jane Doe, to Ganymede. But not before she and Travis have a little heart-to-heart, which maybe makes Travis jump out of grumpy puss mode. Back at the new and improved Orchard, Tristan explains about Travis. The force is strong with this one. He will make a powerful ally. The end. All right. Uh... Obviously, we had the Orchard name checked a couple episodes ago, but they didn't really put in a appearance apart from being disgruntled bankers. Uh, That's but right. here, here they are. Yes, the, or- the Orchard Mark II. The Orchard Mark I tore itself apart. And so now they've rebuilt it with fewer people with a conscience. Yep. Yep. Yes, I do have one uh, factual correction on okay. your summary. Uh, Jane slash Maria, uh, grabbed a gun from the holster of one of the guards on Clark Station. She did not get Travis's gun. Oh, well, that's certainly a significant difference. Those guards just need, need to put those guns where people just can't grab them. I, I know, like in their car. Right. Uh, <laughs> in the trunk of the, in the boot. Put it in the boot, keep it locked up so that they can't be taken from them in a yeah um yeah yeah as i said i mean there was no way i was gonna even roll back but uh, she grabbed a gun there from somebody in a from a holster which you know really you shouldn't be able to do that but all right and and tried to kill travis and so i i'll have some thoughts on the on the the orchard here in a little bit i i even i went to the trouble of of trying to figure them out by by writing them a, a corporate vision mission statement and corporate motto, um, which well, I'll get to. But but first off, what's the bug in Travis's craw when this episode starts? Money. That's his bug? He's he's upset about money? That's what I got. I mean, he, he is uncharacteristically a jerk from the word go. I Everybody mean, I, keeps I, I telling him point. that. I take your point. There are other episodes where money is just, yeah, yeah, money, money, whatever. We're but this on, yeah. this one is, you know, there's some client we're helping out. We're not going to charge because we help friends. Now it's like, yeah, we need money. So we're taking a job that's paying and it's a cushy job. And Callie's upset about it, too. I can't even understand that one. It's like, wait, so you'd rather have a dangerous, murderous lunatic on your ship or a harmless quote unquote harmless psychiatric patient. No, I don't know it's like what are we in hospital service? It's like, no, you are a meat moving organization and you should be happy to move whatever meat somebody pays you. Okay. And and you know, I, I that argument at the beginning didn't make any sense. Travis seemed to be in a bad mood, and then when she tried to kill him, Travis seemed to be about in a bad mood about that. Why is this woman want to kill me? And and I get that that's bringing up, dredging up stuff in his past that he's not happy about. So from that point forward, it makes sense. But prior to that, it just didn't make any sense unless, you know, he's activated one of those genes and he can foresee the future. Um, <laughs> and so he, he's actually, he can't see the future, but he can get grumpy from the future, perhaps. I, I don't know. And then the other thing that was not remotely clear to me was... When Jane Doe Maria tries to strangle Travis, her arms glow. Yes, the glow came from Travis. But the, you're saying the glow came from... Because that's not a very well-conveyed impression. Uh, it, it's, it's like 
she grabs him and then her arms are sparking with power and she's struggling strangling travis as if she's strangling him with supernatural strength and then and then there is no indication that she is divinity clustered up at all later on in the episode and it's just like i'm i'm not sure and the, and then the, the ridiculous coincidence let's face it a, absurdly ludicrous coincidence that this psychiatric patient is in the care of someone who works for someone who's a secret member of the orchard. It's like, okay. Uh, which, you know, if, if Alora worked for the orchard too, maybe she doesn't know it's an evil organization, but maybe she, you know, I mean, a lot of people probably think the orchard is okay. Um, then I can understand why their psychiatric patient might actually be a divinity cluster subject. That, that would, that would actually make sense. But it all just seems to rely on, on not only uh, bad coincidence, but also a painful subterfuge, which, uh, I, again, I cannot repeat the words, and, and my wife was there to witness them. When she called her boss and they were having trouble with the communications, I smacked my head hard enough that it scared the dogs before cursing and going, oh, that's the guy from the orchard has to be and then eventually i mean in that very call it cleared up so it wasn't like it was suspended for too long but just like really and that would be the moment you have a little bit of of um technical glitch there it it, it was very uh artless how about that let's go with artless I, I, for this one i i'm running out of i'm running out of words for it from time to time but so they want hyperspace Okay. Yes. Hyperspace. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not laughing at that exactly. I mean, that sounds like it could be a, an extremely uh, handy thing to have. Hey, you can travel 400 light years in the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. Um, so I can, to I can totally see how that would be of value. I mean, you could change economies if you could control it. You would have a massive advantage economically. And I suppose you could argue a massive advantage strategically, but it is completely and utterly unclear why they want hyperspace. That, and it's that also is very the, unclear. I was about to explain that. Okay, well, let me go with the other one that is yes. unclear. Why they think the people who have the divinity cluster are going to give three little craps about what they want. Because they won't, right? Uh Catch Diddle or whatever his name is, Catchpole. Catchpole will wipe them out like bugs as soon as he has what he wants. They, they are they are bugs beneath him, and so I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure they haven't thought this through. But okay, explain it to me. Obviously, they haven't explained it in the show. So the thing is, when I watched the Redux version of the episode. My brain was sending me a, little, a red alert saying, missing scene, missing scene. And so I got out the DVD and I watched the episode that way. Mm -hmm. The original Star Hunter 2300 episode. Yes, there was a deleted scene where it is actually Edward. That's the that's his name. Uh, Edward the, is the, 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 the Yes, the psychiatrist. Okay. 
Dr. Keir's boss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and Edward is presiding over a board meeting of the orchard and right. giving the info dump on getting into hyperspace and talking about the um, economic benefits of getting outside the solar system. Okay. So it's just economic. And power. Don't those go together? Well, yes, except, as I said, they're not going to have that power. They're not going to control it. Well, they say I mean, they think they will. Well, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I can't help it if they're so dumb that they can't see what's blatantly obvious staring them in the face. I mean, for crying out loud, what was the first divinity cluster? A sense of indestructibility? Yes. Gene? That was the first So one. have they never seen Space Seed on Star Trek? I don't think Star Trek exists in this universe, but yeah, I take your point. Um, they, they, they can't... Okay, so l- let's carry it to its logical extension. Let's ignore for a fact that we are pretty sure, we the audience are pretty sure, that the manifestation of the divinity cluster is the death of the human race. It is, it is a, a pupil cocoony state that will have alien parasite worms burst forth and basically be, you know, the end of the human race anyway. And then everyone will be uh, a a multidimensional being that can see everywhere and everything anyway. Ignoring the fact that that seems to be an undesirable result, there it is manifesting itself in the human race. It is just a matter of time, even if it's a totally benign thing before people they cannot control will manifest hyperspace and their monopoly and indeed perhaps any power base at all they have will collapse under that because it's not a technology that they can that they can patent it's not a technology that they can that they can lock down and you know maybe maybe they're going to try to form a spice guild of navigators and and only use the but it's it's not going to happen in their own research. All the work that they've been doing towards it should tell them that. And so... Uh, I'm going to th- be, be very careful about what I say okay. here um, because of the spoiler rule on a right. 16-year-old series. But anyhow, uh, you'll get your... Uh, you do have a valid point, and anything else I say would spoil the end of episode 22. We'll, we'll get an answer. And, of course, if I'm not mistaken, episode 22 is the one they rewrote. But not, but not, but not the part I'm referring to. Okay. Okay. I, I'll accept that they're going to try, but they're going to have a steep road to come up with one that I'm going to buy. My, my, sense of, my sense of both versions of The Orchard is they seem... Willfully oblivious to the obvious, which is that these these are control freaks who don't understand they can't control. You know, I okay. It is it is a a, a classic villain trope, right? I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a classic villain trope. The the villain unleashes something and then realizes that he can't control it. I mean, how many times has the master done that on Doctor Who? He sets something up and he thinks he's yeah. totally in control of it. it. You know, it is a personality flaw of the character and yes. then it gets out of their way. And that's fine in a person. 
maybe yeah. even in a couple, but in a corporation, you should have you should have some checks and balances, even if it's, you know, even if they're not official checks and balances, you're now pushing up a monolithic organization along a path. And clearly in the past, they had some, they had some divisions, right? But not everyone that they've got left on the board should be a lunatic control freak who's too stupid to realize is that this is going to get out of their hand. It, shouldn't be that way and if all they do is to kill off those people who tell them what they don't want to hear they're unbelievably dense and and i'm using the word unbelievably clearly because i cannot believe them you know they're they're just not credible it's it's not just uh. anyway well this is this is my moment i um i i actually was really I was really feeling it at the time uh, that what the orchard need was a vision, a mission statement, and a corporate motto. And I wrote them for them because I think they fit. Um, and those because are. honestly, uh, I know this sounds like corporate nonsense, you know, and, and but but there actually is a value to having these things for an organization because whenever you you have a strategic plan, for example, and you you work out what you want to do and you work out, you always frame it in reference to your mission and your vision and whatnot. In other words, if, if our mission is to build houses for everybody and we've got this project where we're going to start manufacturing underground septic tanks, you can look at that and say, well, there's a demand for septic tanks for the houses we build, so I can I can fit that in with a corporate vision. But if you want to run your own airline, it's a stretch. It's a stretch to match that to the mission. And so they are very important things, even though they are sort of corporate jibbity-jibbity speak. But anyway, as what I see it, their vision is this. Because hyperspace, duh! I added the duh later. Uh I, because hyperspace was their vision statement last week. This week, when I went back over it, I said, I don't say I had the duh. Their mission statement to gather and encourage a series of genetic super beings who are also a bridgehead of an alien invasion to develop and expand their powers so they can help us mundane bug like humans to make a profit through our vision of hyperspace. And their corporate motto the ends justify the means. Machiavelli. Mm, mm-hmm. Machiavelli. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm having trouble taking him seriously again. I, I, and we saw two weeks ago that part of their plan is to, um, they already have hyperspace, obviously, because they got that, well, they can get Tristan out to another planet. They got their bomb to another solar system, and then they blew it up, uh, you know, through their subcontractor, which... Right doesn't really seem to be part of this doesn't really seem to be part of this it's like so what is your purpose for at this point they can send the stray person such as catchpole out but they're well but he could have taken he could have taken the device with him that caused that explosion exactly i mean or somebody like him could have done yeah i i have a i have a i have a mechanism in my mind two episodes ago none whatsoever now i have a mechanism in my mind that says okay well there is a way they could have transported something there i don't know what catchpole's limitations are how big of an object whether 
you know, he can take a space spacecraft with him so that he has air when he gets to the end, or maybe he doesn't even need air. But I can now conceivably see that they have the ability to go to another solar system and, and in fact, leave behind the black box, right? They, they left the black box behind, they blew the thing up, then presumably Tatchpole or someone like him went and picked up the black box and brought it back yes. to the the folks at, uh, at whatever the institute was that I can't remember off the Keras. top of my head. Keras, okay. And so, okay, I get that. Why they wanted to blow up a solar system? Not entirely sure that fits with this plan, unless, you know, it's to build a hyperspace bypass. But, uh... I get the okay. impression that they're early in the hyperspace part, in the hyperspace model, and they want to expand it. And that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big, big explosion elsewhere doesn't quite fit with that but anyway but, all right. but, but speaking of catch paul is this is the first episode in which you will see him i figured he'd be back uh, they didn't make up that white outfit for him just for one appearance and that was that was, that was quite a shirt right <laughs> that, was, that was definitely that definitely made me think of every star child <laughs> ever seen in a show but robbie wrist in galactica was the one that really came to mind dr and z they, they yeah, and they really went out of their way to find somebody who reminds me of Eccleston. Yeah, the 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 people even mentioned him. They did. They did mention Eccleston. Um, so, which is which is good. Now, I will say that once again, uh, you, you have said, and and I would count that in the spoilery department, but you have said so. I'll I'll quote it here that. Per the final episode, Travis is not Dante's son. Yes. Although, on the other hand, he should still be Penny's son. I mean, that's... But it's kind of obvious that that he is. Okay, let's talk about uh, timeline here, <laughs> since you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. this The year, the present year in this episode is 2300. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Now, this murder of David, who is Maria's husband, apparently happened in dialogue about 15 years ago. Okay. So 2285. We saw 2285. We saw Travis Montana in 2285. He was the king of the Raiders. Yeah. And he, and he knew everything about the, knew about just about everything about the divinity yeah. cluster. I, I, so I, I agree. So who's this guy? This guy is, is him after time has been changed. No, uh, not according to one of the series creators. So who is this guy? And I don't know. And by, um, I've only gotten a few hints that that answer may be coming in season three. <laughs> there will never be a season three of this show. I will put actually, my money out on it right now. Actually, I, know you, you, I can tell you based on my, I, I, I can tell you that filming has started. <laughs> I have, this must be an insurance scam. That's all I can think of. I, <laughs> we used to have this. We used to have this uh, lumber yard. I'm not going to name it, but it was near where I lived. And uh, every I don't know four or five years, it burned to the ground. And we're all pretty sure it was insurance fires, but they couldn't prove it. Um, I can't think of why anybody would make a third year of this and not just come up with something different. It, it doesn't. There aren't that many. It, it just. It doesn't justify it doesn't just i mean buck rogers season two was better than this 
I hate Buck Rogers season two. <laughs> it's like at, at least it had Wilma Deering in it. Yeah. And, and, and she, she she had a really nice outfit in season two. But anyhow. It, yeah. Condescendingly sexist, but yeah, it was it's kind of fun. But it was kind of fun. Yeah, but you know, yeah. And I'm looking at the web page for Starfield Indie, and there, and season three in 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 filming progress is Solsis S O L S Y S. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll see it. I'll I'll believe it. Not one day before I see it, and and. No. <laughs> apparently to apparently to star Michael Perret, Tanya Allen, and Stephen Marcus. I don't know who Stephen Marcus is. Rudolfo. Oh wow, I almost I almost had to bleep myself there. Uh, <laughs> what is wrong with those people? You've picked the three most worthless, awful characters in this series, and you're gonna go for a third? I can oh, blackmail. Maybe it's blackmail. Maybe somebody's got something over them, or they've got something over somebody else. I cannot think of another reason. Canada cannot be that desperate for TV shows. Just cannot be that desperate for TV. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. And they're gonna have to come out with it. They're gonna burn the negatives if they've shot anything at some point. They're just gonna burn them and be done with it. May I add this? That. This is according to a a video on the Starfield Indie website, so I'm not pulling this out of some orifice. The there is actually a five year plan. <laughs> I would be happy if they had a plan that spanned a single episode from beginning to end, just one. <laughs> They're not capable of a forty two minute plan. No. No, they, uh, they are just, uh, no, no. All right, fine. We'll, we'll leave that be for, uh, you know, the year 2300 when they finally get around to putting it out, if, if it ever happens. Um, I mean, they've been working at that based on stuff I saw online. They've been claiming a third season for years now, yes. right? Yes. Several. 2017 or so. Who is putting up the money for this? I don't know. Do you know, I, you know, I was on a IMDb the other day. Um, and, and one of the reasons we're doing the, the, the show is I, you know, I stupidly, I, I went to IMDb and I looked at the ratings and they are a little bit polarized, but there's actually some really quite high star ratings for the show. So, what I should have done, though, is I should have read them because when your what are they? Ten star reviews. When your ten star reviews read like this, well, they're not the best effects and the acting's really bad and the directing's not great. But uh, and and the, the, there are lots of inconsistencies in the stories, but I'm giving them ten stars because we're just desperate for science fiction content. That's a real review. I'm paraphrasing it slightly. There's more than one of those. I'm get, It's not very good, but I'm going to give it 10 stars. This is what's wrong with Yelp and Uber and all of those. Industry. I, I have, I've been in fights with people online, legitimate fights with people online, when they go, oh, well, you know, if, if the Uber driver showed up and took you to your destination, make sure you give them all five stars. It's like, 
no. <laughs> like, that's a perfect score, right? That, that you, you get five stars when you are absolutely perfect, you know, but, but they live based on that. The amount of money they get, the thing is based on, it's like that I'm still lying. I'm lying. If I say that it was a perfect ride, I mean, they got me there, but they had garlic breath. I think that's worth a one, one off, you know, or something like that. And th there is a, there's a dichotomy and th there is a, there's a dichotomy there of people who think that you think you should gradiate it based on the experience. And I admit, admit that's subjective, but there were quite a few reviews under Star Hunter or Redux or 2300. I looked through, I looked through the bunch of them where they were. This show is so-so, but I'm giving it five, ten stars because I like, uh, what's her name? Tanya Allen or whatever. It's like, no, see that. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm planting my flag. I'm taking my position. That's wrong. If that's ten stars, how do you rate something that's excellent? I, oh, that's ten to Oh, are you telling me that that this show is as good as Babylon Five, or as good as Star Trek, or as good as The Expanse, or you know, it isn't, and and there's no relativity there, and it's not, you know, where does it rate versus Star Lost? I mean, by that argument, there's probably people who gave the Star Lost ten stars. I haven't looked, but like, you know, we want more science fiction. It's like, let's give it ten to encourage them. I, uh... All right. All right. Uh, Travis. Now, here's the other thing. You mentioned Travis. I'm going to try to get back to the episode yeah. of my soapbox. Travis fought David in a life or death struggle and killed him. And Travis obviously feels bad about that. And obviously is uh, uh, Maria feels bad about that and blames Travis for it. Obviously. This would have been a lot more meaningful, uh, relevant, if we had any clue why he was fighting David because Travis, I think we've seen Travis kill people in self-defense in a yes. fight. I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. I'm sure we have Dante, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on certainly Rudolfo and the, and others have done so in the course of an episode. Travis is in a fight to the death with another man. And in the end, Travis gets the gun and shoots him. Now, maybe he should have got the gun and pointed it at him and said, hey, stop. But we don't, but because we don't know what was going on there. Was, was Travis mugging a, an innocent bystander? Was Travis in the middle of a drug deal gone bad? Was Travis attacked by this guy out of the blue? We don't know. We don't know what the circumstances are. We don't know if this is a, a, a Travis being raider scum or this is the Travis we know who probably wouldn't have been fighting with a guy if it weren't a life and death situation. And they completely bypass giving us any context as to what that happened. All we see is that he's wearing his Raiders colors. And I think that's shorthand for, so he's a bad guy, which well, I ain't fine, but I, I, I really, the way it's staged and the way it looks, Travis didn't have much of a choice there. And if he didn't have much of a choice there, then this is not something that, I mean, sure, the wife doesn't want her husband killed. And so I'm not saying she wouldn't blame him. And Travis has got a conscience. So I'm not saying he wouldn't feel a certain amount of guilt about killing anybody. He may feel guilt about killing prisoners who've escaped from him. I don't know, because we don't see that. He seems like the type who probably weighs, 
it weighs heavily upon him. But it, it just isn't set up well enough. Just suddenly Travis is going to be all grumpy about this. And now I'm going to now I'm going to quit and go off and not be a bounty hunter somewhere. I don't know. It just didn't again, not set up well enough. And, you know, we just need Travis to be grumpy this week. I've got some scenes I want to write where people talk to him and he tells them to um, skiff off. And uh, uh, and so that's that's what we're going to do. But uh, all right, let's see. Percy actually talks to him about the Divinity Cluster. She doesn't know much. I feel like I don't I'm not even sure I understand why she knows what she knows. I, I like the, the four genes. I had the same question. I, I cannot think of anything in particular that she should have known and that she should have passed on to him. Yeah, me neither. And I, I watched the episode in the last three hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not so. sure about that. That is an example of a writer putting putting in an info dump in the middle of the second season, calling back to the end of the first season, which, which aired right. three years before. That's why it's there. There is no way to do some exposition gracefully. Um, and I just finished watching um, Doctor Who and the Silurians. And right. there was some clunky exposition with Silurians oh, yeah. talking to each other. And I just, oh my God. But there is, there is yeah. some, um, um, there, that one is definitely a bit stretched out. There's yeah. no doubt about it. At seven parts. It's a, yes. And, um, and I don't and, mind the, the expo and, dump. Yes. In a way. I just kind of was curious about, again, you know, how would she know those particular bits of it and then yeah. not know other parts and not, you know, not make mention of the fact that she's met Travis before. I, I thought about that. I have no idea what's going on with that. And I'll give you another one um, that when... We were in the original series 15 years ago. They could use a DNA sample to definitively prove yeah. who Travis was. I, I'm finding it hard to believe that this Travis hasn't been subjected to that. And it's a valid point. It's like, it's just a completely forgotten. It's a forgot. It's, it's, you know, if they did it and they said, oh yeah, that's Travis. Great. I don't have a problem with it being a different actor from last year. Uh, I, I don't have any problem with the idea that at the end of last year, we saw that Dante went back to the moment when they kidnapped his son or just moments before when they kidnapped his son. Uh, there is no reason to believe, again, ignoring what's coming in the future and also ignoring the fact that some of what's coming in the future is a rewrite of what came in the future. But ignoring that, there's, there's no reason to believe that the Raiders didn't come down and kill them all anyway and take Travis just like they did the first time. But with Dante being there and with Dante having advanced knowledge of what is to come, I can see it playing out differently. So does Travis end up not being king of the Raiders? Maybe, you know, maybe it just depends on who picked him out. Does, does he say something to Penny like, 
what did you do? Did you inject yourself with divinity cluster? And she goes, what, 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 what? How do you know about the divinity cluster? Well, our son's got it in him. You've got to stop this. And she gives him a shot of something and he doesn't manifest divinity cluster for another 10 years so that the Raiders never notice. There's all sorts of things that I could totally accept and fit with what we have seen. And them go, you know, and and also the fact that it's just a different actor playing Travis. You know, this guy's 15 years older and he's got a different haircut. So we're, we're and he doesn't look as wimpy. But because the last yeah. one was a bit of a wet blanket, but yeah, yeah. Um, and, all, <laughs> you, and you just outlined some of my fan theories that predated the reduxing. But by the way, um, the writer is David T. Riley. Riley. Ever since oh. I, I mentioned the writer, and I prefer to name people when I give their titles, and I think that's because that's who I am. And Mr. Riley uh, has written, let's see else he's written for this series. This episode, obviously. He also wrote an an upcoming one called Rivals. Okay, but not any past ones. No, and then one called Just Politics. There's two more coming up. Okay, well, we're at 14 and there's 22, so there's only eight episodes. So he he has written a... A fair portion of the remaining episodes, a quarter at least. Yes. Okay. Let's see. I did a little um, Google search, and I because what, there was because um, Catchpole and Travis or whoever the hell he is uh, were on a planet four hundred light years away. Now, as mm-hmm. it turns out, there are at least seven Earth-like planets that we know about. That are 400 light years from our solar system. Uh, planets in the Goldilocks zone, or or yes, I mean, I... yes, that's um, are seven Earth-like planets we, we know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 400 light years from Earth. Well, 400 light years is a very big sphere, you know. Yes. So I mean, it, uh, yeah, I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem conceptually with, with I don't have any problem that. with them popping planets all over the place, you know, out there once you get beyond the, <laughs> beyond the red line uh, of our solar system. So. Yes. Anytime I get a distance of 400, uh, like mm-hmm. 400 light years, I wonder what do we know about what's 400 light years away? So I'll look it up. <laughs> but honestly, not a lot. I mean, <laughs> Like we we can't possibly know a whole lot about them just yet. What I, you know, the other part that bugs me about that scene is how would you react if a strange space dude in white suit grabbed you, took you some clearly bizarre looking place, right? It's very pretty, but I mean, it didn't look like, it didn't look like the green fields of earth. No. Right. I mean, assuming you're inclined to believe him then it's it's perfectly viable to say yep i'm on a i'm on a planet 400 light years from earth how would you react very surprised uh-huh i i i'd be astounded probably probably have a panic attack okay there's that's a fair one that's a fair one uh another one might be although uh, travis won't because he's got the gene that makes him Fearless. Believe he's fear. Yeah, I believe he's indefeatable. Uh, so you know, no panic there. So no stress. And uh, but 
wouldn't you want to look around? Travis doesn't even give it a... Travis barely gives it a second look. We're on a planet 400 light years away. Why'd you bring me here? (laughs) It's like, okay. uh, Dude, you're on a planet 400 light years from Earth. That's kind of cool. You're breathing. You're alive. And then when you go back, do you mention it? I was just on a planet 400 light years from Earth. How about that, huh? That was pretty cool, huh? No, nothing. Just let's forget it. It was just, it was just incidental. And well, I, maybe um, after, maybe if you're talking a little while at the end, and people said, "Well, talk to us about the orchard, you know, and why they want you." Maybe could I mention? Yeah, I was on this planet. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, they. I mean, Percy knows he's divinity cluster. Yes. Right. So I mean, it's not exactly a secret. Um, okay. She hasn't told the others, it seems. So maybe that's a, a, a plot point. The fact that she didn't mention the orchard when she was giving him his, it's kind of plausible. It's kind of plausible that she wouldn't mention it. Cause that's not what he asked her about. He asked her about what you know about the divinity cluster. And, and there was this organization that was after it. That that's probably not, especially if you all know it's gone. Cause she, apparently she yeah. and Rodolfo know that the, the, the orchard is gone. So I could kind of understand why you wouldn't wouldn't mention it by name anyway. Uh, so that I don't know. It just yes, and she seemed to have figured out that they were back two uh, two episodes ago, and then when she saw Catchpole moving so quickly, she put two mm. and two together. Oh yeah, isn't there a scene in this episode where the orchard forces are coming to? invade the ship they are and callie and percy go to defend i'm just going to question that that tactical decision why didn't callie and rudolfo go rudolfo may be uh uh the term unpleasant is well, the, slob, inside, but, inside the episode a lying cheating sexist pig yes but he's a good killer fighter he is shooter dude and so's Callie. And I'm thinking you'd want to send that and not the angsty teenage engineer who's unreliable as one of your defenders. That didn't make any sense. Other than she needed to be there to see... Catchpole. Catchpole. And go, oh. Uh, Orchard. Yeah. So that... Of course, and, and, had, yeah. of course and if Rodolfo had been there, he would have been, been the one to say Orchard. Mm-hmm. He might have known. I don't know. Did he know about the Divinity Cluster stuff, though? Uh, Divinity Cluster. He had some hint, yes. Okay. I mean, he knew something about Eccleston, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, what were the... We only got two of them, didn't we? We got the... Of the genes. One was a sense of in... I wrote this down. Invincibility, hyperspace, and... Okay, number first one gave a sense of total invincibility. The second gene, um, according to Percy, gives a view of hyperspace, and she's not sure about three and four. Well, so what's his name has manifested three. Yeah, Starchild (laughs) has manifested three of the four. He would know. He would know certainly what the third one is. Yes, he would. Is that the ability to transverse hyperspace 
as opposed to the ability to view hyperspace. That that would make sense to me, yes. And because you're right, because he does say be able just to stroll right through it, doesn't he? Right, and I don't know whether that's you know Percy's lack of understanding of number two. It could be because. Yes, because I that thought could be, they could be the same. There had been a few, uh, 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 with some of the characters in this episode, I had the sense of this person's either lying or this person doesn't know as much as he or she thinks. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, uh, you know, the fourth one is obviously alien, alien uh, dimension uh, burster. <laughs> possession. Comes out of you. Yeah. Takes you out. I, I'm not 100% sure that I, my description earlier is what I'm trying to convey. I have the feeling, I have the feeling that it's not a, another creature from another dimension that's coming through and taking over. I have a feeling that it's already there and dormant in the fourth gene. So in other words, the entire human race is actually... You know the the transforming. Yeah, they're they're the the pieces of the uh, of you know something a, a wasp has stuck an egg in, uh, and and it's just waiting for them to incubate and come out. And the first three triggers are bits that make you well. They, they prepare the way. They prepare the way for it. So uh, <laughs> the the first one, a sense of invincibility. Well, huh? <laughs> it's like that one's just kind of a shrug. Uh, that, well, that one also could be maybe the first gene does something else, and Percy doesn't know it. That's what I'm saying. Some people just may not know. I mean, for for example, I'm not certain that Catchpole is the first human to naturally activate the first three genes. He may be the only one that Edward knows about, but maybe there's right. someone else. Sure, sure, but you know we. Just have to take that as uh, as as read at this point. I I don't think it's you know it, it's really tough for someone to write a story. How do I put this? It's really tough to write a story and have somebody give a piece of exposition like that. Tristan is the first person to naturally manifest all uh, three of the four genes. Okay, that could be. You could have used the phrase the first person we know of to manifest those genes. But by putting it in the story the way they did, if tomorrow they come along with somebody else, you are going to run the risk of the audience shouting retcon at them. Because, well, one, it's, it's really down to... It's down to two things. It's down to what the writers had in their mind at the time. If they wrote the line of dialogue and said emphatically, this is the first person who manifested, then they probably weren't thinking about it. And if they did write the line, this is the first person we know of, which is exactly the same statement as far as the audience is concerned. Um, But for somebody who comes along years later and looks at replays, oh, they did say, they did say that we know of. But it, what it matters is what the audience thinks. And the audience is the one that's going to come along and go, oh, you've, you've retconned it. Um, one of the very few instances where I can think of that I, that kind of works for me was in um, The Incredible Hulk, where oh, wow. suddenly suddenly the, the creature from 
Dr. Clive's creature from many years before. Turns out this is not the first Hulk. But, you know, they never really said it was the first Hulk. So, it, but it does, it's obviously an idea they hadn't thought of at the time they created the show. It's something they came up with afterwards. And, and, it, and they managed to fit it in nicely. Anyway, if they pull up another Divinity Cluster three-person from the vine, I'm just going to go, uh-huh, yeah, well, they just hadn't thought of this idea yet. So, because I haven't got much faith. I haven't got any faith at all in, in, in their five-year plan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the best laugh I've had all week. It's been a nasty week here in Arizona. <laughs> it's like 118 does a lot to your brain. Yeah. Uh, and not good. Not good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else? I do not. Except the name of the next episode. Name of the next episode is... Kate. Kate. K-A-T-E. Kate. K-A-T-E. As in, kiss me, Kate. Kate. All right. All right. Well, in that case, next time, we'll be looking at the episode Kate. Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol or patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at fusionpatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusionpatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the second episode of Crime Traveler, entitled A Death in the Family. When we discuss the similarities between Holly Turner and Romana 1, whether you could plug a time machine into a 30-amp ring main, and what the conviction rate is like in the world of Crime Traveler. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.